Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with who really won the New Hampshire primary, move on to why Republicans want to raise the retirement age, and follow all of that up with the seditious reason Texas is securing the southern border. Let's begin, shall we? Just like in Iowa, the New Hampshire primary has come and gone, but not without a few insights into what the voters are really thinking. According to Fox Not a News Channel exit polling from the New Hampshire primary, 53% of Republicans who showed up said they'd be satisfied if the candy orange douche were the Republican nominee for president. That sounds like a lot until you realize out of over 1 million registered Republican voters, only 300,000 turned out to vote in the New Hampshire primary. And after Donnie the Menace told his maggots that braving the snow and dying of hypothermia is worth voting for their favorite president, he still had a small crowd, like at his rallies and his inauguration. But of those Republicans who did show up, Fatty Kruger got 53% of the vote, and his only competition left, Nikki Never Nined on Pakistani Haley, got 43%. And spoiler alert, everyone else has dropped out of the race. So with 53% of about 300,000 voters, Grandpa Tangerine declared victory by bashing a little brown girl. Quickly, we'll head out to South Carolina, where I think we're going to win easily. On a person that was governor, that tells you something. But I felt I should do this because I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy, I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week. And I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. But let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was, but Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. So in case you haven't figured it out, Old Yeller is upset that a woman is his rival for the Republican presidential nomination. <laughs> Big shocker there, right? Y'all remember Hillary Clinton. And to add insult to injury, the former South Carolina governor and Civil War revisionist had some choice words in response to Dumpy. With Donald Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment. You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. Now, I've long called for mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75. <laughs> Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. Oh, yeah. We all know that's not going to happen. 
The last time the lumbering lardass was on a debate stage with a woman, he creeped up behind her multiple times like it was totally normal and followed her around like he was planning on kidnapping her and taking her to the basement of a pizza joint. And while all of this was going down, did you know the real winner of the New Hampshire primary wasn't even on the ballot? New Hampshire is also handing a primary victory to President Biden, even though he wasn't on the ballot. The president is currently leading by 30 percentage points over his next closest challenger, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips. And that's with nearly 14,000 write-in votes left to count. Thanks to a grassroots write-in campaign, he won New Hampshire anyway. The president winning a primary battle he wasn't even running in. His name not on the ballot due to disagreements with the Democratic National Committee trying to move the first primary to South Carolina and New Hampshire wasn't having it. They had that grassroots writing campaign. The president coming out a winner in a statement. He said that it was a historic demonstration of commitment to our democratic process. Fuck yeah, it is. On the Reich side, you had Eric's dad, whose name was on the ballot, getting only 53% of the Republican votes. And here comes Joe Biden, who isn't even on the ballot. And he gets 63.9% of the Democrat vote because people wrote his name in. (laughs) Damn. Now, that's your voters turning out for you. And Biden didn't have to coerce anyone to brave the snow just to vote for him. They just gladly turned out to do it. Sounds to me like the people of New Hampshire want to keep a Democrat in the White House. And the Paleolithic disaster from Georgia apparently wants to see any non-maggot Republicans eradicated. This is a referendum on the Republican Party, and that's something I'll be saying in my speech tonight. Uh, This is a true change for the Republican Party. It says that not only do we support President Trump, we support his policies. And any Republican that isn't willing to adapt these policies, we are completely eradicating from the party. These are fake numbers. Nikki Haley does not have this much support. She's going to come out and claim that she's rising in the polls. All these fake news media people up here on this platform are going to claim that Nikki Haley is rising in the polls. It's a total, complete lie. Absolute lie. Tonight, Nikki Haley was defeated. The problem is she's going to be dumb enough and she's going to be a fake candidate and she's going to keep going and we're going to destroy her in South Carolina. It's going to be a a complete humiliation. I can't wait to see it happen. Now, I don't know for a fact that Mad Marge was aggressively rubbing her magic eight ball in New Hampshire. I just think it might be true. Of course, the moron goblin wants to weed out all the OG Republicans because they keep the party from going full Christian nationalist. And everyone knows you never go full Christian nationalist. But that topic is for a previous show you can listen to after you're finished with this one. For now, I'd like to turn your attention to how Republicans need to be weeded out, not only from their party, but from politics in general. Case in point, Nematra Nikki Haley, who said this load of absolute horse manure during an interview on Fox, not a news channel. 
Well, you know, you've got multiple candidates on that stage that said they wouldn't touch entitlements, including Trump. And any candidate that says they're not going to touch entitlements means that they're basically going to go into the go into office and then leave America bankrupt. Social Security is going to mm -hmm. go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in eight. So the way we deal with it is we don't touch anyone's retirement or anyone who's been promised in. But we go to people like my kids in their 20s when they're coming into the system and we say the rules have changed. We change change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do it based on inflation. We limit the benefits the on the wealthy and we expand Medicare Advantage plans. What's the right age there then, Ambassador? Well, I think we have to do the numbers. We've got to figure out what it is. But what we do know is 65 is way too low and we need to increase that. We need to do it according to life expectancy. Oh, you're fucking God. Okay. First of all, 65 is the retirement age of boomers because they were born before 1960. For the rest of us, retirement doesn't come until 67. Get your facts straight, Namadra. And secondly, how in the fuck are you going to just say to Gen X, millennials, and everyone else that the rules have changed and because of life expectancy in the United States, now being 79 years old, they're going to have to work away more of their life. Raising the age maybe, I don't know, to 70 would just mean that the working class has less than 10 years of retirement to look forward to if they live that long. So it's sussy AF that you want to use inflation metrics when the actual cost of living is affected by corporate greed that makes everything 40 to 50% more expensive than it used to be in just the last five years. Because right now, the Biden administration says inflation is down to 3%, but my grocery, utilities, and gas prices haven't come down. So obviously, it's not inflation. Thirdly, Medicare Advantage plans are the insurance company's sneaky way of getting low-income families roped into premium hell while taking taxpayer money to pay for their state-supplemented medical needs. Basically, all the no's. And it's not just working you to death that Republicans are looking forward to imposing if they win in 2024. They're also very interested in making sure every baby is born so they can go to work as well. You're talking about the sanctity of life. Your state had one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the country, according to the CDC, up until about 2021. Arkansas is one of the few states that hasn't extended postpartum care for mothers. Why don't you want those moms to get care for a full 12 months, as is being offered, instead of just 60 days? I certainly want us to do everything that we can, which is why we have done things like focus on the foster and adoption care. We've put significant funding into our pregnancy crisis centers, bring your kids to work at state government. We've expanded maternity leave for state employees. We included that in our education package. The states of Mississippi, Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, they did extend for 12 months rather than the 60 days. So I'm just wondering specifically on that option, why you opted out? We're going to continue to look at options that we feel like best help uh, people here in the state of Arkansas. We've done that in a number of ways, and we're going to continue to do that over the course of hopefully the next seven years while I'm governor of Arkansas. Ah, oh, the sanctity of life. Here is the worst Huckabee to be governor of Arkansas. 
since her father, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, talking about why she doesn't give an actual fuck about mothers surviving childbirth or being able to stay home with their children as long as foster parents and adoption centers are well-funded. For context, 73% of every 100,000 mothers who give birth in Arkansas die because of it. Their deaths have absolutely nothing to do with foster care or adoption, unless you consider that with all those mothers dying because Arkansas doesn't give a shit about mothers, there's probably a need for alternative parenting. Quite a shocking metric, though, coming from a Republican-controlled state. What isn't shocking coming from a Republican-controlled state is sedition. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Texas. Uh, But if we're being honest, sedition's kind of your thing, at least since 1861. The modern-day equivalent is happening in Texas right now, specifically on the U.S.-Mexico border, where Governor Billy on Wheels Abbott has been putting up barbed wire to prevent migrants from entering the United States in one piece. Because if a woman and two children drowned in the Rio Grande last week, then the Biden administration asking the bogus SCOTUS to tell Abbott to remove the slasher wall he created must be an affront to our Constitution. And to the surprise of everyone... In a victory for the Biden administration, the Supreme Court ruled that Border Patrol agents can remove razor wire put in place along a stretch of the southern border in Texas. The Supreme Court's narrowly divided ruling came after an emergency request from the Biden administration that argued the wire was endangering migrants while preventing law enforcement from patrolling the area. The state was saying this was basically trespass. The Border Patrol was going on private land, cutting through property that wasn't theirs, And that under Texas law, that's trespass, and they wanted to stop them from doing that. Texas argues the razor wire is an effective deterrent to illegal border crossings. Texas has been taking a very aggressive stance, taking action on its own, both with this wire, but passing a state law recently that said state police and state officials can start arresting migrants. And no one, I mean no one, saw this coming. Democrats were caught like deer in the headlights when this ruling was made public. Republicans were also verklempt over clutching their polls so hard they nearly choked when the conservative heavy SCOTUS said, Abbott, you can't just kill people to keep them out of this country. In fact, this ruling has apparently caused Republican governors from across the country to metastasize into something that's beginning to look a lot like sedition. The governor of Texas refuses to give in to federal law. Governor Greg Abbott, he's in fact firing back at the Biden administration, saying the Biden administration is not enforcing immigration laws that are already on the books. And he says if the federal government won't do it, Texas will secure its border. Almost all of the Republican governors are rallying behind Abbott in his border showdown. 25 Republican governors signed a letter supporting Abbott and affirming that the state has the constitutional right to defend itself, including adding more razor wire along the Rio Grande to secure the border. Governor Abbott is doing what the federal government should have done a long time ago. And you sound like someone who thinks your white supremacy-fueled delusions are finally going to come true because you have a champion who comes complete with his own chariot, Governor Winchester Abbott, who we all know would prefer to shoot migrants, but he'll settle for slashing them up before they drown. 
Obviously, the Patriot Death Cult was a racist murder plot too far for the maggot-heavy SCOTUS, who said, hey, Greg, no, you can't kill people. And Governor Hot Wheels said, I've got an Article 1 in the Constitution that says I have the right to self-defense during an invasion. And SCOTUS just shook their heads and said, look, dude, you are not being invaded. These are asylum seekers using the wrong door, and your accomplices in Congress should have taken the two deals the Biden administration offered them months ago to fix this problem. But no, Republicans didn't want to give Biden a win before the election year. And look at you now. It's all we love the Supreme Court when they're taking away Roe v. Wade. But as soon as they point out your immigration policies have gone from racist to outright murder and suddenly you feel emboldened to ignore the highest court of the land, don't you? Oh, and don't think for a second we can't figure out why all of a sudden Texas Governor KKK on Wheels is going all live long the Republic of Texas, having the National Guard come up behind the border agents removing the barbed wire with more barbed wire. Between the worst Speaker of the House since the last Speaker of the House, Mr. Mike Johnson said this on Fox Not a News Channel after leaving a bipartisan border deal meeting brokered by President Biden. The president actually just got off the phone with me right before the show, and he said he has spoken to you about this deal and that he is against it, and he urged you to be against this deal. He was extremely, President Trump was extremely adamant about that. Your reaction to that, given the fact that, look, he already, he knows how to do this enforcement stuff. You don't need some new bill coming out of the, uh, the Senate to get the border enforced. Yeah, President Trump is not wrong. He and I have been talking about this um, uh, pretty frequently. I talked to him uh, night before last about the same subject. And then Johnson said this about the bipartisan border deal just a few days ago. House Speaker Mike Johnson warned a Senate border deal could face some strong headwinds in his chamber. He wrote this. If rumors about the contents of the draft proposal are true, it would have been dead on arrival in the House anyway. There are new concerns that Donald Trump is trying to kill the bipartisan deal to bolster his reelection campaign. Former President Donald Trump, now the leader of the party, has come out against a potential deal and a compromise with the Biden administration. And as you know, former President Trump really wants to use this issue on the campaign trail to criticize President Biden. That greasy, geriatrically demented motherfucker. Folks, there is so much going wrong here. We've got the Speaker of the House and third in line to the presidency making policy decisions with someone who isn't even a member of the United States government in any capacity. That alone should keep you up at night. But also we're dealing with a party who refuses to vote twice now to do something about the southern border because it would make President Biden look good while they're literally stupid governors on their side like South Dakota's electoral disaster and suspected high school dropout Christy Noam saying this kind of horseshit on Fox Entertainment and folks did you know that Texas had something to do with the 13 colonies because I sure as fuck didn't 
Well, at least half of America's governors now backing Texas Governor Greg Abbott in his battle with the Biden administration over securing the border. They are all Republican. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is among them. You say that you are proud of what Texas is doing. Tell us why. Listen, this is Texas land. Shelby Park belongs to the state of Texas. It's a part of the United States of America, and the president is refusing to defend it from an invasion. Do you worry, Governor, that Texas might be seen as defying the Supreme Court? I'm proud of the fact that this state and 25 other governors are standing and declaring and protecting our state sovereignty. Uh, Texas and those 13 original colonies would have never signed the treaty that formed the first constitution of the United States if they didn't think that their right to protect themselves and defend their own people was protected. <laughs> yeah, so apparently this dumb bitch thinks that Texas was one of the 13 colonies. <laughs> I guess the dumb fucks don't fall too far from the poorly educated tree. Yeah, I'm talking to you, South Dakota voters. Listen, Christy with an I. Texas was actually a part of Mexico when the 13 colonies were a thing. In fact, it was the undocumented white settlers in the area you know as the Alamo who refused to leave Mexico's territory, which was then the catalyst for the piece of land you affectionately know as Texas. Ironic, isn't it? The descendants of illegal immigrants are upset that a portion of the indigenous people of the land the occupiers had been occupying since 1836 now want to get permission to live on that land from the occupiers. And somehow that's offensive. I also find it fascinating. Republicans call it an invasion, while at the same time, stats on that number of, I don't know, Hispanic people living in Texas, which has been steadily rising over the last decades, leaving less white people around. I don't know if that's a thing, but hey, <laughs> I might be confused. I'm not itching to secede from the union over barbed wire like Oklahoma Governor Ken Stitt, who... Could not wait to say the quiet part out loud on Newsmax. We stand with Governor Abbott. I've already sent troops one time to the southern border. Governor, there is talks by Democrats that maybe Biden should take control of the Texas National Guard. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's like throwing a match on a, on a powder keg. Uh, remember, these are Texans. If President Biden tries to pull that stunt, uh, then he's also telling the American people, hey, I'm trying to escalate this situation, and I'm also trying to federalize troops to just continue this invasion. And that's why you see 25 other governors like me uh, that are supporting Governor Abbott, and we'll send our troops to the border uh, if he tries to pull a stunt like that. It's almost like governors in Republican-controlled states have been waiting with bated breath for a moment like this. When they could band together like they did in the old days of the mid-1800s and form their own country with the country they stole from the Union. You know, states' rights and all that. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. And if that's not enough for you, you can catch me once a week on Face Palm America with host Beowulf Rockland, where we make fun of the news in real time on a recorded podcast. You can also follow This Week Again on social media wherever you can find us. We are always available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show and to Der for now.